Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father in heaven, we commit ourselves to you and we ask, Lord, make us instruments by which your will will be done on this earth. We thank you, Father, for your mercy and love that you have shown towards us and your goodness. We pray, Father, that as you work in heaven to bring about the transformation of our character, that you would give to us the gift of your Spirit, all the heavenly blessings that they will be bestowed upon us, especially the gift of your Word, which you have said that its entrance gives light to us and it is life to us also. So, Lord, put your words in my mouth that as it is spoken, it shall give light and life to us. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, March 13. All in God's plan. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Job chapter 28 verse 28. Joseph's checkered life was not an accident. It was ordered of providence. But how was he enabled to make such a record of firmness of character, uprightness and wisdom? It was the result of careful training in his early years. He had consulted duty rather than inclination, and the purity and simple trust of the boy bore fruit in the deeds of the man. The most brilliant talents are of no value unless they are improved. Industrious habits and force of character must be gained by cultivation. A high moral character and fine mental qualities are not the result of accident. God gives opportunities. Success depends upon the use made of them. The openings of providence must be quickly discerned and eagerly seized upon. Not to the people of Egypt alone, but to all the nations connected with that powerful kingdom, God manifested himself through Joseph. He desired to make him a light, a light bearer to all peoples and he placed him next the throne of the world's greatest empire, that the heavenly illumination might extend far and near. There are few who realize the influence of the little things of life upon the development of character. Nothing with which we have to do is really small. The varied circumstances that we meet day by day are designed to test our faithfulness and to qualify us for greater trusts. By adherence to principle in the transactions of ordinary life, the mind becomes accustomed to hold the claims of duty above those of pleasure and inclination. Minds thus disciplined are not wavering between right and wrong, like the reed trembling in the wind. They are loyal to duty because they have trained themselves to habits of fidelity and truth. By faithfulness in that which is least, they acquire strength to be faithful in greater matters. An upright character is of greater worth than the gold of Ophir. Without it, none can rise to an honorable eminence. 
but character is not inherited. It cannot be bought. Moral excellence and fine mental qualities are not the result of accident. The most precious gifts are of no value unless they are improved. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is All in God's Plan. The key text is taken from the book of Job 20, chapter 28 verse 28 which says, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding, which is something we should indeed have in mind. This particular text has been a source of help to me in times of temptation. If you are tempted to do something that is wrong, when you remember that the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and to depart from evil shows that you have understanding, then it can help to curb the excesses or to give you power to turn away from temptation and do what is right. All in God's plan. If we will give ourselves over to God, doing as I have been saying since, which is ensure that you are keeping God's commandments, then eventually everything that happens to you will be things that are all in God's plan be it like in the case of joseph or in your case whatever you do that is right in keeping the commandments of god wherever you are and the consequences of doing that it is all in god's plan and your life will be a checkered life like that of joseph and you will feel fulfilled know that you are fulfilled because you your life is all according to god's plan but it is not everybody's life that is according to god's plan God's plan is for the character of Christ to be revealed in all of us, that we may grow into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. People talk about predestination, as though God is the one who chooses who goes to heaven and who goes to hell, and it is his fault if some people are not making it. But that actually is not the case. When we look at the book of Romans chapter 8, we have seen this uh, before in other devotions. When we look at Romans chapter 8, reading from verse 29, it says, For whom he, that's God, did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. It is God's intention that you and I should be predestined he has done that already predestined us and it is his intention that that plan he has should be carried out in our lives that we should be justified sanctified and as we read from romans 8 verse 29 conformed to the image of his son what does that mean that we should have the fullness of christ in us in other places, uh, Paul expresses that, that we, ha- we need to have the fullness, to grow into the fullness of Christ. And how does God do this? We have to cooperate with Him. And as we cooperate with Him, He will order events and create opportunities and make sure that providence that comes to us will order that we will have that character developed in us through the experiences that we pass through. Hebrews 5 verse 8 says about Jesus, Though he were a son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. 
not by sinning against God, but with every experience that came to Jesus, he gave the right response. And what was the response? He chose the right thing to do, which is keeping the commandments of God. And wherever it led him, it was fine. The first statement of our devotion says, Joseph's checkered life was not an accident. It was ordered of providence. What, was the, what does this mean? In, in his life and in our lives too, God was training Joseph and using smaller responsibilities in preparation for greater ones. In his father's house, that was one. When you say life is checkered, the checkered life means a life that is selected in stages, one after another, from one stage to another, and from that stage to another. You see Joseph's life from his father's house to being uh, captured by his brother, sold as a slave, walking in Potiphar's house. From there, he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. He made the right choice, led him to prison, and there he still did what he was supposed to do there. And then the next thing, he's in Pharaoh's courtyard, and then he is second in command to Pharaoh. His life was checkered, and for every stage in his life, as one comes, it was a project. As one, one, one stage of the project comes to an end, he enters the next stage of the project. That one comes to an end, he enters, enters the next stage of the project. We are God's projects. And we ought not to be failed projects. There are many failed projects around. Because it is a project that only God cannot see through to the end. We ought to play our part. He is the project manager. We are the ones who will work with him as maybe specialists or whatever position may be given to us but we have a role to play so that when he gives us a pattern and say this is what you should do and gives us all the tools with which to do those things he supplies everything it is now our duty to walk along with him to bring about his plan to pass a checkered life like that of joseph will bring us finally to be in the image of jesus it doesn't matter what position you are in you may be crucified on the cross like Jesus, beheaded like Paul, nailed upside down, or crucified also by like Peter. You may be the prime minister like Daniel and like Joseph. You may be just a nomad uh, like Abraham. It doesn't matter what occupation. That's not what matters. So let us not dwell on temporal things. What matters is the character that is developed in you. The checkered life of Joseph was supposed to bring about a character in him. With every experience, a character was being developed in him so that he can have the image of Jesus finally. In his father's house, he learned morality, he learned integrity and even hard work. In Potiphar's house, he learned the things about the government of Egypt and also how to rule and also for that integrity when his wife Potiphar's wife tempted him and he refused it it etches something in the brain for every right choice you make it makes it easier for you to make a right choice again for every wrong choice we make it makes it more difficult for us to make the right choice and easier to make the wrong choice so as Joseph made the right choice with respect to Potiphar's uh, wife's temptation it raised his integrity again and when he went into the prison once, once again, he learned fidelity, further faithfulness, he le- in all of this compassion. He was seeing the, the injustice and oppression, not just to himself, but he learned to think more of others than of himself in the prison. It was not about him anymore, but now he was caring for many humans. He learned how to rule people. Imagine that he was in charge of everybody in the prison. Now he was learning human resource management though he had done that in Potiphar's house but that was a smaller smaller office compared to the prison imagine being in charge of the whole prisoners in the king's prison that was a lot of work for Joseph 
and it was a checkered life god him god put him there intentionally and the lesson he learned there was important for the next stage of his life and you cannot go to the next stage until you have finished the, the previous stage joseph in his father's house he finished the previous stage it was ordered by providence sold that, that he should be sold as a slave and then god intentionally placed him in potiphar's wife but he had a role to play which was his fidelity, his faithfulness, his selflessness and self-denial and gentleness endeared him as a son to Potiphar. His hard work made him the best of the servants and he was raised as a person who was highest position. God allowed it for Potiphar's wife to tempt him. It was ordered in providence, though she's guilty, but God permitted it. It's not God who made her do it, he permitted it. And through that experience, Joseph played his part. He chose the right thing. And then it led him to the next stage of the project. If he did not choose the right thing, he wouldn't have gotten to the next stage. And now the next stage, prison. He learns human management and not just that, government, how to rule people, how to be a good judge in mercy. And then he is now in Pharaoh's house. Now he is second in command. And there are still other things for Joseph to learn. Like we saw in Conflict and Courage, page 78, paragraph 2. He says it was the result of careful training in his early years. He had consulted duty rather than inclination. We saw that in yesterday's devotion. Duty rather than inclination. And the purity and simple trust of the boy bore fruit in the deeds of the man. The most brilliant talents are of no value unless they are improved. Industrious habits and force of character must be gained by cultivation. These are important qualities here. Industrious habits, force of character. So how do we cultivate it? Because we are told now it can only begin by cultivation. How do you cultivate these industrious habits and force of character? i tell you how. It is by accepting responsibilities and carrying them out yourself. Not shifting responsibilities. Every responsibility shifted is an opportunity lost for one to have developed himself. Doing it yourself and only seeking help for the purpose of learning and not for the purpose of ease as God gives opportunities like we just read now, he gives the opportunities and it is left for us to make the most of them. It's in page 78, paragraph 2, he says, God gives opportunities. Success depends upon the use made of them. The openings of providence must be quickly discerned and eagerly seized upon, end of quote. You see, from this, we understand that every duty is an opportunity and every opportunity comes dressed as duty. There's a popular saying that goes this way. It says, many people miss opportunities because it comes to them dressed as hard work. So when opportunity comes, some people say, oh, see work, hard work. But you don't know that that thing that you're calling hard work is opportunity. And so, so many miss opportunities because it comes to them dressed as hard work. God gives opportunities. But the opportunity is not just going to be a life of ease. You have to work hard. Seize the opportunity. And we are told success depends upon the use made of these opportunities. And it's not the opportunity is not going to be open forever. The openings of providence must be quickly discerned and eagerly seized upon. If you don't seize it eagerly, it will go away and you will miss the opportunity that you should have had. Understand when the Lord is leading. And when providence has opened a way for you and seize it quickly, don't be, don't act as if you are being, like I say, humble. You see an opportunity comes and then you are acting, oh, I'm trying not to be selfish. I'm trying not to be um, proud. And then you allow the opportunity to go away. 
we if you are not proud that doesn't matter but you understand you understand that this opportunity is an opportunity it's not necessarily about opportunity to make money now that we're talking about when we say opportunity here is not necessarily about making money and all of that but opportunities that comes to us to do the will of god opportunities lie around us what do the opportunities come like there are opportunities that come in form of duties to do your work in the house like i said earlier it's we are we we cultivate these characters by doing things ourselves for example there's something that gets spoiled around you that's an opportunity to learn how to repair that thing maybe you don't know how to do it you can ask somebody to help you not somebody to just do it take and do it and then you don't know how the person did it that's a time for you to watch how the person is doing it and as you watch how the person is doing it you learn for that thing that's spoiled i don't know whatever it may be is now an opportunity for you to learn how to repair it and you may not know but at least you can observe when the person is doing it and as you observe you are growing you are learning and there are many more examples i can give i pray the holy spirit talks to our hearts to make us understand how opportunities are to, are to be seen as privileges many people miss do you see in your duty an opportunity and privilege do you seize it eagerly or grudgingly or do you reject it altogether and that's what i was talking about sometimes opportunity comes and we take it grudgingly and the lord sees it because it's coming to us as work we don't see how it's going to bless us there's no financial gain in the opportunity we only want to seize opportunities where we see that at the end of it will give us some money but that's not how god works for joseph there was nothing financially lucrative in working in potiphar's house he was a slave regardless of how highly they placed him in prison place him ever so high and he was placed in the highest position to the point that the head of the prison knew nothing about what was going on there joseph was in charge but yet joseph was still a prisoner so much so that he had not even shaved in a very long time when pharaoh brought him out of the prison that was when the bible said that that was when he went to clean up himself to shave what was financially lucrative about joseph in prison what was financially lucrative about joseph in potiphar's house nothing he was a slave in both places but he didn't say because these things are not giving me any funds therefore there's no need for me to put my hard work and force of character and all my interest in it but joseph made use of every opportunity and in doing that even though there was no funds coming out of it even though it was not financially lucrative he was training himself god gives opportunities and success is determined by how we make use of these opportunities and even how you seize them matters do you seize it eagerly or do you seize it grudgingly or do you reject it altogether it matters and then you want to take the one that gives finance that is financially creative and then when there's no funds in it then you are not interested the lord is watching the character he now knows that mm, this person is one who is not self-denying they cannot do anything except there's money coming out of it they work for self alone they cannot be selfless and character is shown through those things and you will not be placed where you ought to be you will not grow because you won't do the work because it is not financially lucrative so we need to learn to work selflessly to see work around us as opportunity whether it's financially lucrative or not do it because you see the need as we read earlier we are not follow, supposed to follow inclination but duty you see around you there's a need Exa- example there's a need in the vineyard of the lord people need to go about as laborers preaching the word of god you see it so but then 
if you are the type who is always oh it's about finance you won't do it because for you you'll be wondering how do i survive and all of that the lord says he will take care of you but many will not do it because they feel like hmm, there's no there's no gain in it there's no gain at all but then like the disciples they left all they had to do the work because they saw the need do you see the need how are you following your inclination where the disciples to follow their inclination they will not follow jesus they will not continue following him although the first time it looks as if they, were, they saw it as opportunity for glory but then later on they realized that that's not the case but they kept going they kept following jesus when judas realized that jesus was not opportunity for glory he backed out but the remaining 11 they didn't back out even though they realized that they thought it was for glory before but when they realized it was duty and they are supposed to deny themselves they continued they didn't go back and for us it's a lesson that we should have for ourselves and there's more much more as joseph's checkered life was going there was other things the lord wanted to develop in him and the character of forgiveness is one thing that we all ought to have as joseph has been sold by his brothers and all the experiences he was passing through you can imagine that there will be a worry something that will be bothering joseph in his mind and he will wonder if they could do this to me if my brothers could do this to me what would they do to benjamin my brother it is difficult to imagine anything better of your oppressors you know the last joseph knew of his brothers was only cruelty and wickedness and he could only function based on what he knows and not what he does not know he can imagine the worst what will they tell my dad and my mom that is his stepmother Leah. what will they do to benjamin if they did this to me these were thoughts in joseph's mind now that famine that was seen in um, pharaoh's dream had finally come the brothers of joseph now had to come to egypt to buy food and in coming to egypt they met who their brother joseph but because of the way joseph was dressed they couldn't recognize him one can only imagine joseph's reaction on seeing his brothers he sees simeon and levi the two who slew a whole city immediately he remembers his experience at dotan dotan that place where their deep cruelty was seen where the brothers were clamoring to kill him and they threw him into that pit and he remembers all those experiences there is no one who will pass through this and you won't have adrenaline pumping in your chest as he saw these 10 men as he saw these 10 men and the 11th one was not there and who is that benjamin he does not see benjamin among them and wonders if they have killed or sold benjamin also the last he knows about them they were hell-bent on ensuring they secured a birthright for themselves in so much that they were prepared to kill him had it not been for judah who spoke to their hearts based on his knowledge of them these are liars deceivers adulterers of a strange kind haters of god men who have no backbone weak as water like reuben idolaters men filled with jealousy and envy so deep that they would not stop at anything to get what they want what will joseph do this is a test another part of the checkered life of joseph it was in god's plan that his brothers should meet him again what will joseph do now he's entering another part of his checkered life in god's plan genesis 42 verse 7 joseph ruffles their feathers that's what he does now in verse 7 but he had intentions he wanted to know where is my brother benjamin what have they done to my father and joseph saw his brethren and he knew them but he made himself strange unto them and spoke roughly unto them and he said unto them whence come ye 
and they said from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. Now, if you read the story three times, Joseph accuses them of being spies. But then, the, the kind of reply he's expecting, he's not getting it. The brothers are polite. They're kind in speech. They even refer to a certain Joseph when they so, who, they, who they sold. Joseph, being unable to, heap, to bear the whole ordeal, moves away and weeps. He remembers all his suffering and pain. And before him are those who were the cause of it all. He couldn't bear it anymore. In verse 9 it says, And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, You are spies, to see the nakedness of the land you are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. Do you see those words, Lord and servant? Do you remember the last time we, we saw it? With Jacob and Esau. When Jacob finally had changed, he came to his brother and called him, My lord. And he said, I am thy servant. Something has changed about these brothers. And they are not as rough as they used to be. And they are addressing Joseph, even though they, they don't know it's their, their younger brother. But at least the fact that they could talk so politely is a different thing. And they explained to him in verse 11, We are all one man's son. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. Joseph then told them in verse 15, Hereby you shall be proved. By the life of, of Pharaoh you shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come here. They had already explained to him that they had a younger brother. And then he said, Send one of you and let him fetch your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of pharaoh surely you are spies this is the third time he's accusing them of being spies and he puts them all together into word three days i wonder what was going on in joseph's mind three days his brothers are in prison and joseph said unto them the third day this do and live for i fear god if you be true men let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn of the, for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered, and answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you will not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them. For he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept, and returned to them again and communed with them, and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Wow. And by this time, what would they think? Of all people to take Simeon, surely God is against us. And he heard them say it. For them to have been saying this here, you can imagine the torment they have been living in for over 10 years this while. Since Joseph was sold, you can tell that any evil thing that happens to them, they will remember Joseph and say, the Lord has remembered me. This is happening to me because of what we did or what I did to my brother. And now, here in Egypt, they are remembering the situation again and before their eyes, the most guilty of all of them, Simeon, is taken away from them. Detaining Simeon was a judgment on him. He was forefront in the plan to execute Joseph. He needed to be detained so he does not go and get forces to fight again. Maybe that's what was in Joseph's mind. For all Joseph cared, who knows what Simeon could orchestrate again. This was a man who led the slaying of a whole city 
and could even entertain the thought of killing his own stepbrother and could actually execute it if he was left alone. This was another cane here. Him being separated from the brothers, Joseph would imagine there could be hope for some sanity and peace. The brothers get home and they tell Jacob the story and Jacob laments again. He says, oh, Joseph is gone. Simeon is gone. What will I do? Food gets exhausted after some time and one would imagine how Simeon was feeling in the house in the prison and how Joseph was also anticipating the brothers to come back. Now, when the food get, got exhausted, they said to their father again, we need to go and buy food. And the father said, you, you can go. But Judah explains to the father, we, the man said we should not come unless Benjamin comes. Of course, he refused until finally Judah tells the father that he will stand in the place of Benjamin. Instead of Benjamin to be killed, that he will be killed. He said he will stand. And, and they come to meet the, Joseph finally there in Egypt. And we know the story. Joseph tries to set them up. And the reason Joseph did that was so that he could take Benjamin from them. It was not that he just wanted to ruffle their feathers. He let all of them go, the 11 of them, to go with their food and put a cup into the bag of Benjamin. And when they found out who took it, he said whoever took it would be a slave to him forever. And they found it in Benjamin's bag. And the brothers began to weep. Of all people, Benjamin, who the father loved the most. And now they are very protective of Benjamin. Especially Judah is very protective of Benjamin because of his father's interest. He's trying to protect his father's interest. But here it is that this man, who they don't know, is their brother, wants to take that same Benjamin from them. But then something happens that makes Joseph to realize that there was no need for him to take Benjamin away from them. In Genesis 44, reading from the 13, it says, Then they rent their clothes as after the cup was found in Benjamin's bag. This, they rent their clothes and laded every man his ass and returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house. Take note. Judah is being put in front of them all now. Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house. For he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. Now the dream is fulfilled. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you have done? What you know that such a man as I can certainly divine? And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants hmm. that statement god has found out the iniquity of thy servants that was a powerful statement by judah there and he continued and said behold we are my lord's servants both we and he also with whom the cup is found and he said god forbid that i should do so but the man in whose hand the cup is found he shall be my servant and as for you get you up in peace unto your father then Judah came near to him and said, O oh my Lord. Take note of these words again. My Lord, thy servant, my Lord, thy servant. For Jacob to be confirmed with that birthright, you see that he had to humble himself. He also had to call Esau my Lord and see himself as a servant to Esau. Here is Judah. Judah is going to be the one also who will get that inheritance, the birthright. And you see his humility once again. And he is talking to Joseph and saying, my Lord, although not him alone, even the other brothers did the same thing. But you see him as the leader of his brothers. And he said, O oh my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, 
and let not thy anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou sayest unto thy servant, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou said unto thy servant, Except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, you know that my wife bare me two sons, and the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if you take this also from me, and mischief before him, ye shall bring down my grey hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servant shall bring down the grey hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad a bondman to my lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. And this was the end of Judah's statement. Only a heart filled with darkness will not be softened and listen to this touching plea of Judah. Even a heart of stone will be softened. Every time I read this part of the story between Joseph and his brothers and Judah's plea, tears well up in my eyes. You see, Judah showed himself to be a leader indeed. Not as a fighter, but one who was going to put himself to die for his own brother. He was ready to take Benjamin's place and whatever was going to befall him, whether it is death or imprisonment, Judah was ready for it. And he had given himself over for that purpose. You see that this man, something had happened to him all this while. He had transformed. And as for Joseph, this part, this stage of the project of Joseph's life that the Lord was doing for him, it had come to its height. This was, this was a great temptation for him, seeing the men who were wicked enough to do the evil to him. Now as he hears this plea, the Bible says in Genesis 45 verse 1, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him. While Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I'm sure as he's weeping, they are wondering, why is this man crying? What happened just now? The man is crying. And as they are wondering why this man is weeping, it's a strange thing to them and they are observing what's going on. And Joseph, of course, could not be recognized by them, most likely. He's dressed like the Egyptians, so they don't know that this is Joseph. And he's also grown, so they can't recognize him. And he begins to take off the things that make him unrecognizable to his brothers. And the next thing they hear is a shock to them. Genesis 45 verse 3 And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. 
doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. And these brothers are shocked again. Imagine Simeon remembering his stay in the jail, that this was his brother whom he tried to kill, and he has been in prison for that. And not only that, the positive side of it, this our brother whom we tried to sell or kill, he is the one that is saving life now. And not just any life, but even our own lives. He has saved our lives. Oh, their hearts would have melted more than it was melted before. All this while their hearts have been tormenting them. There is going to be a mixture of emotions here for the brothers. Relief from the guilt that they killed their brother. Joy that he is the one saving their lives. But also that fear in them. Will he kill us? And that humility and shame knowing the evil that they did. And now they look at the person whom they tried to kill standing before them. Like I said, among all the stories in the Bible, apart from the story of Jesus, none brings tears to my eyes more than this one. There's no time I read this story, hear Judas plea, and see Joseph's reaction without it evoking emotions from me. But then, God did not tell us this story only for it to evoke emotions in us. There are important lessons to learn from here. You see, we are looking at this devotion titled, All in God's Plan. And the first statement we read was, Joseph's checkered life was ordered by providence. Like, when you look at a chessboard, for example, that's a checkered board. White and black, white and black, patches, and it's different from one stage to another, good, bad, good, bad. All of it was ordered by God. And our own staged and checkered life, too, is ordered by God for us to learn lessons. What lessons do we learn from here? Look at the way Joseph forgave his oppressors. Do you have people who have oppressed you? What have they done to you? Perhaps somebody betrayed you. The lesson that God wants us to learn is that when such things happen, God is planning it. Not that he made the person to do that to you, but he allowed it in providence. And remember that we are to seize the opportunity. What's the opportunity for now? This is an opportunity for me to show mercy, for me to forgive, for me to develop the character of God that is called compassion and pity for sinners. And Joseph now, in this other stage of his life, he learns that lesson even deeper. Not that he hasn't learned it before, but this is a high test. You know, there's so much someone can forgive. And this is the height of it for Joseph. And he still passed his test. He forgave his brothers. But the lesson is, maybe you know someone, the last time you checked, they were evil people. You don't know what they are today. Let us give people a chance. Yes, we know the past. All we knew from the past is, for all we care, this is what they believed and this is how they behave. But you don't know whether they've changed. You, the only way you can know is to give them a chance. Joseph gave his brothers a chance. And they proved themselves. They were different. It's just the body that is the same. It's not the same people anymore. Their ideas are different. Judas 
behavior, Reuben's statements when he was telling them, did I not tell you that we shouldn't sell our brother? And they also saying that surely this thing has happened to us and the Lord is requiring this of us. Even Judah saying the same thing, that our iniquity has found us. They knew. They were even looking forward to the fact that the Lord will even deal with them for what they have done. Their heart was not hard. It was, still, it was soft. That person who you think that their heart is so hard, pray for them. Their hearts can be softened like Ju- Ju- Joseph's brothers. Also, we learn the lesson, like I said, that we should see all these offenses done to us as opportunities to learn the lesson of compassion and forgiveness and also the lesson that we should follow duty and not inclination. Walk by faith and not by sight. If Joseph followed his inclination, he will lock up all his brothers. But he said, I fear God. I cannot lock you all up. You can go. The only reason Joseph did what he did was not to punish Simeon. Simeon was only kept back as a bait as a um, collateral so that they will come back at least let them come back and the best person you could see among them to keep back was Simeon and they did come back and what he did in putting the cup in Benjamin's bag was not to set them up he just wanted to take Benjamin out of them because he wasn't still sure of who these men were whether they were oppressing Benjamin in the house he does not know whether they had caged him somewhere and they just brought him to the place and said make sure you keep quiet when we take you there he didn't know that But when Judah told him the story and was willing for Benjamin to go free and himself would die or be imprisoned, Joseph couldn't see see anything wrong with this man again. He understood that these evil people are not the same anymore. That's not them. He gave them a chance and we should give people a chance. In God's providence, your life is also checkered so that in God's time, you should be ready to fill the position God wants you to fill. But if you don't pass the test for every stage, for every stage of your life, whether the white and the black and the white and the black again, we will enter, we will either miss the opportunity that God has been preparing for us or we will miscarry it. And when given the chance to blow our trumpet, we will blow it. That is, instead of blowing the trumpet and carrying out the responsibility faithfully and doing what God wants us to do, we will blow it in the sense of blowing the opportunity by scattering everything and making a mess of the opportunity. Let us in every stage of life we find ourselves be faithful to God so that God will lead us to glorify his name by whatever means he wants us to. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you Lord that our life is all in your plan. In times past, the choices we have made has led us on a trajectory that may not be according to your plan anymore. But we know and believe that if we will make the right choices from henceforth, it will be all in your plan. We don't know how far away we've deviated and gone off track and of course that the plan you had for us is not being fulfilled anymore. But today, Lord, we come to you and ask, give us the grace that in whatever situation we find ourselves, in our homes like Joseph that will maintain our integrity and be, be loyal to you. Wherever we are working under people, in the duties we carry out around us, help us, Lord, to be faithful men, that we will be faithful people and do exactly what your word says. And whatever the consequences, Lord, we are sure that that's where you want us to be, that we may give glory to your name by whatever means you want us to do it. Forgive us for all the times that we made wrong choices. Lord, today give us the strength that we will make right choices, that our life 
will be ordered to be all in your plan. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.